this word is going to challenge you today. At least it challenged me. It's still challenging me. Um, God has given me the title, Put On For God. And that is supposed to be a play on words. And it's supposed to be a play on words. So I don't know what's coming to your mind as you read or you hear that title, Put On For God. Amen. So it could mean that you putting on, you putting on for God, right? you putting on the show. Amen. Even though it's not in your heart. Amen. But that's not what I was going for. Um, I'm talking about what we're clothed, clothed with. Right? Do we have on a garment of praise? Right? Are we clothed in joy and happiness? Like, what does it look like when we're walking and strutting or whatever in God? What do we actually have on? So if you were here last Sunday, you know, or whatever the last Sunday that I preached, you know that um, I mentioned Leviticus 9 in the priest's ordination. And I said that it was too much for me to preach about the clothing of the priest going, trying to go item by item by item by item. Too much, still too much. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to reference those things today, and I'm also going to reference Ephesians six verses ten through eighteen, and and most of us are familiar with that, because that's the full arm. We probably not heard a bunch of sermons on the full arm of God, but we don't really talk about the clothes that the priests wore in Leviticus, right? So priestly garments in Leviticus 9 and the full arm of God that are discussed in Ephesians, they serve different purposes within the Bible, and they both carry out distinct symbolic meanings. They mean something, right? They both tell us a lot about what God thinks about clothes and the purpose of clothes. Like, I don't know if you've ever really paid attention to all of the spots in Scripture where it's talking about clothing. It starts all the way in Genesis. When Adam and Eve try to cover up with fig leaves, right? Right? And they were trying to cover up. They're going to put on these fig leaves as clothing in order to cover up their shame. So they were kind of like putting on for God. Like, we ain't doing nothing wrong, God. We straight. We, right? But they were using these outward things to cover up the shame that they felt on the inside. So the priestly garments in Leviticus, um, unlike the full armor of God in Ephesians, the, the priestly garments were literal physical garments, right? These were literal clothes that the priests put on when they got ready to go into the tabernacle to serve. They included the ephod, the breastplate, the robe, the tunic, the turban, and then some other items, like it even goes down to their undergarments. And each of these items had a specific meaning related to holiness, judgment, and the representation of God's people when they entered the presence of God. And that's why I say it's a lot to go into. But what I want you to understand is each one of these pieces of things. So if I were to break down, my shoes mean this when I come to church. My pants mean this when I come to church. I put on the jacket to represent this when I come to church. That's how the priests would clothe. Everything that they put on had a meaning because a meaning when they got ready to approach God. Literally, down to the colors, right? If you read, it says that their robe had bells on it. The reason that the, the I'm just sharing part of it. Y'all have to go study. 
But the reason they had bells on it, because when they entered the Holy of Holiness, if the people still heard the bells, that means the priest was still alive. Because if you went in there and you did something wrong, God was going to lay you out. We don't talked about how serious worship and holiness is to God. Right? So everything on it, the breastplates, they had the 12 tribes because they were bringing God's people before God. It was like the clothing meant something. It was literal. Well, in Ephesians, when we talk about the full armor of God, it's a metaphor. God is telling us to put on these spiritual things in order to prepare for battle. It includes the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, right? So despite their differences, both of these sets of attire highlight the need for preparation. When you get ready to approach God, you have to be prepared. Right? Whether literally or figuratively, when you get ready to do something for God, you got to be prepared. If you go out there and try to cast, literally go out there and try to cast out demons in this physical, natural world, they're going to tag you up if you ain't been prepared to do that type of fight, right? So, regardless whether you're trying to start a business, you got to prepare. If you're trying to buy a house, you got to prepare. Like, whenever you want God to do something for you, you have to be prepared. And it's the same thing in the spiritual. You can't say I want to get closer to God and don't do any preparation. You don't you don't set your mind and your heart to, to get ready to be challenged, to be corrected, to have to deal with trauma. You got to prepare, right? So both of these sets of attire highlight the need for preparation. They also highlight the need for protection. Armor is designed to protect you, right? To quench all the fiery darts of the enemy, right? You All those things that the full armor, you got to have your faith, you got to have salvation, you got to have the word. That is for your protection, right? And the clothing also similar, the third thing that the clothing symbolizes is dedication. What you mean dedication, pastor? Whenever you are getting ready to enter into a certain kind of uh, activity, your clothing kind of tells what you're getting ready to do. Nobody puts on a sweatsuit and say, I'm about to go swimming. Right? Nobody puts on uh, just a nightgown and say, I'm about to go play football. Right? Nurses wear certain clothes, like uniforms, all of this stuff. Right? Your clothing kind of it kind of shows what you're getting prepared to go do. Y'all with me? Right. It shows that some kind of dedication, like I'm taking effort, I'm putting some effort into what I'm getting ready to do. And my clothing says that about me. So both of these things, what the priest had on in the forearm of God, highlight the need for preparation, protection and dedication that we're set apart for the service of God. Right. Specifically, what is Leviticus 9 teaching us about worship? Each piece of the priest's garment was crafted with specific materials and colors, which had symbolic meanings related to holiness, divine election, and the duties of the priesthood. God used clothing to designate duty. It was specific to their profession. They were literally clothed with holiness in mind. We went to Universal Studios over the weekend. 
And if you've ever been to a theme park, you know that theme parks have themes. Whether it's Marvel or Looney Tunes or like Six Flags or their characters in the theme park. And so in Universal, they have all the movies. They have the Marvel, you got your Harry Potter, you got all these comic books. And I just began looking around, you know, because you Raymond Rise and stuff. So what you do, you people watch. And almost everybody had some type of symbol on their body. Whether it was Dolce and Gabbana, Air Jordans, Philadelphia Eagles, somebody had so you had some kind of symbolism of what you were wearing, hair potty shirt, Dr. Seuss. And I'm like, like we are, we love symbols. <coughs> we love stuff that represents stuff, right? But I'm like, oh, do we, but do do we put the same thought process, right? Because as I was getting ready to, to come to church and I preach this way, I say this message right here might be more difficult than me preaching about drinking and having sex. Because when I start talking about how much time and effort and energy we put into our hair and clothes, we don't consider that to be idolatry. I say, they ain't going to want to hear this. Now, if I'm talking about drinking, they'd be like, okay. But when I, when I start talking about how we spend our money, and how much we, you know, we we'll buy a, we'll buy some nice shoes and put a dollar in the collection plate. We'll make sure the car is washed. We'll make sure the house is clean. But when it's time to do extreme clean, we busy. Like we 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 put a lot of time, effort, and energy to making sure this done and it stay cut and we smell good, right? Why? Why? Why do we do that? Right? Because we know that when we dress up or we look good or we feel like we look good, we sending out a message. It's symbolism. I don't care. You want somebody to look at you. Because if you didn't care about how you look, you wouldn't put all that energy into it. Then I saying you don't brush your teeth and don't put on deodorant. No, you know that ain't what Pastor's saying. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about the lengths we go to. To be clothed, right? But then we don't go to the same limb to be clothed in righteousness, to be clothed in humility, to give unto others. What we do is we do that, we do those things a little bit to satisfy our conscience. We did the whole book, we did the dangerous Jesus, we read the book, we read Dangerous Joy. So y'all understand, we talked about it, that it is okay to enjoy life. But I say the word is still convicting me because I'm out of balance. I'm out of balance. I don't know that y'all, the word got to convict y'all. Some of y'all still ain't picking up what I'm putting down because you're going to go, you're going to leave right home today and you're going to get on Amazon and you're going to go buy something. Right? How you want to be out of debt, but you can't stop shopping? Right? You, your mouth is saying and your brain is saying, I want to build wealth, I want to do A, B, and C, but you can't stop shopping. Right? How you going to say, you know, I don't, money, I don't care about no money, but as soon as it's time to clean up your house, you don't want to throw away nothing because you might need to wear that later on.
See, I told y'all, y'all rather hear about y'all rather hear about going to the club, drinking. Uh, you want to hear about them sins? You don't want to hear about these type of sins. You don't, don't want to hear about the greed, right? You, I'm not greedy, Pastor. I give. I do. You really? How much more could you give, right? And I got to tell y'all, this ain't even the real purpose of the sermon, right? The full armament of God is about spiritual clothing. So, you know, I thought this sermon was going to be about what we physically wear. You know, modesty, women covering up and, you know, all of those things. And God saying, no, that ain't it. Not about what we physically wear. And I do believe that there are some spiritual and some physical implications about what we put on, right? So then I spent a lot of time thinking about what I was just talking about, consumerism. I need to look a certain way or to have certain clothes, you know, to identify with something. Because we like what we like, right? Um, because after all, you know, at the end of the day, clothing is symbolic and it's practical. What you mean is symbolic and right? We wear certain stuff to send a symbol, but we also wear clothes because if it's cold outside, you put on the coat. It just makes sense. You put socks on your feet to protect your feet from rubbing in your shoes, right? It's certain things that you do, your undergarments. Certain things that you do, there's practicality. You cut in the grass, you put on the hat to protect yourself from the sun. So clothes have their purpose, right? But like I say, I'm starting to think, and I'm like, God, I'm out of balance. I'm out of balance. And then, like, what, what makes it tough for me is because when you get into message like this, even I just start thinking, Lord, like this, y'all got to consider what the scripture says, what Jesus told the disciples about the rich man. And I know y'all, don't, we don't consider ourselves to be rich, but he told the rich man, it's going to be harder for you to get into heaven and for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Why is that? Because when you start to think about, right, what you can live without, it makes you feel like you're not going to have a life. Which, so, don't take no vacation, Pastor. Don't buy the new car, Pastor. Don't. But what I'm working for, what I'm, I'm, I'm working, you telling me? Stop, stop spending all this money on my hair. That's the next thing if I don't like that. Because that's what she do for a living. That's gonna, you going to cut my, my income, Pastor. Woo. Woo. Stop getting no I can't have no life. What I'm working for. Think about what you're saying. If I can't have the material, then my life is meaningless. But come on now, y'all Christians. Y'all, y'all, we'll sing silver and gold real quick. I'd rather have, mmm, mmm, mmm. I got in my notes, I say, honestly, we're not ready for this conversation. We ain't ready for this conversation. And so I, I say, I got to say, I see my son over here and I see my brother in the booth. I say, all the ladies and some of the men will be massive. Men probably thinking like, that ain't me because I don't be on Amazon like that. That be her with them boxes coming to the house. But you know, we'll go out and buy a 60-inch TV. 
You know, they spending it, they nickel and diamond on Amazon and Target. We'll go out and buy. We'll buy, we'll buy a whole car. <laughs> it's the same thing. And so I said, so I'm getting wrapped up because like I say, it may sound, and I know my wife not because she know I like I y'all just bought me a DJ kit. So I'm not trying to exclude myself. Did I need that? No. So I'm I'm that word tagging me as I'm preparing it. It's, it's tagging me as I'm as I'm writing it. And I said, okay, so I can't think about myself, I can't think about others. Lord, show me what Jesus did. Let me use Jesus as when what Jesus had on. Right. So there are several instances in scripture that refer to Jesus' clothing. Right? And the first time that it's referenced is at his birth. Swaddling clothes. At his birth, Jesus was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. Luke 2 and 7. So what do we learn about how Jesus was closed? He was a baby. He was not concerned about what he had on. This word got so good to me. There's a little boy at my school. Kindergarten. Polo. Every day. At Jordan's. Every day. And he dog and clothes out. Because he a boy in kindergarten. He know he spill juice all over his polo vest. He be having snot everywhere. He cry. He roll around on the floor. He play hard, right? But he got on all this suspense. As a child, he is not concerned, right? But what's going to happen is he gonna go home. Dad and mama gonna tear him up by messing up them joys. Then he's going to learn these are Jordans. You don't mess these up. These not play shoes. And he's going to learn that Jordans have value. Polo has value. Then he's going to learn, I don't wear that cheap stuff. Y'all got on play. I play and stuff like that. His parents are teaching him that these things give you value. Right? Jesus was in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. I say, okay, that's a baby. What's your scripture? What you got for us grown people? Right? Matthew 6, 8, I mean, Matthew 6, 28 through 33, Jesus is talking. He says, and why worry about clothes? Look at how the wildflowers grow. They do not work or make clothes for themselves. But I tell you that not even King Solomon, with all his wealth, had clothes as beautiful as one of these flowers. It is God who clothes the wild grass that is here today and gone tomorrow, burned up in the oven. Won't he be all the more sure to clothe you what little faith you have? Do y'all realize all them verses is talking about clothes? Now, we'll, we'll quit because this is the same place where God tells us to seek the kingdom first and everything else be added. But when it comes to our material possession, when it comes to what we buy and how we spend our money and what we focus our time on, he ain't he can't be talking about getting that little stuff. Lord, I thank you. 
31st verse, Jesus says, so do not start worrying where all my food will come from or my drink or my clothes. These are all the things that the pagans are always concerned about. These are all the things. He ain't talked about nothing but clothes to this point. Woo. 28th through the 31st, 28, 29, 30, three verses. God, close, close, close. Jesus says in the 31st verse, so do not start worrying where my food will come from, my drink, or my clothes. 32. These are all the things the pagans are always concerned about. Your father in heaven knows what you need, knows that you need all these things. So he said, I ain't going to like, I know you got to have a roof over your head. I know you need food to eat. I know you need clothes. Practically, you can't go to work naked. I know you need those things. But why do we spend so much time? How many husbands in here constantly telling your wife she look good? And she's still thinking something wrong. I don't look good. I got the now. I look, I can't go out there looking like this. Daddy's telling daughters they pretty. But because what they see on social media or TV, right? Right? So I worry about my child when she get out of the house, but right now, she knows she come out there naked, daddy gonna be like, gonna put some clothes on. But I wonder when she get older, right? Because to daddy, that's not attractive. Right? But the world telling her opposite of what daddy say. The world gonna tell you that you can't get no man like that. You can get a man, you probably ain't gonna get no husband. <laughs> 33 instead be concerned above everything else with the kingdom of God and with what he requires of you and what he requires of you and he will provide you with all these things the next example I have of Jesus' clothing is the seamless garment that he wore at his crucifixion. During his crucifixion, Jesus wore a seamless undergarment that the soldiers cast lots for rather than dividing it. John 19, 23, and 24. Jesus was clothed in shame and dishonor. I imagine this man hanging in like a hospital gown of sorts. So we see at his birth, he wasn't worried about his clothes. And even at his death, how many of y'all think if you were laying in the hospital bed and you knew that your time was coming, you was going to be worried about how many people going through chemo worried? Right? Now, I've seen people wear their wigs, but I've also seen people who, when they go through that process, they boldly and proudly just just take it off and wear the right because they learn like my hair don't matter, my life is more important than what it I don't care what people think. 
So we see Jesus at his life not being concerned about what he's clothed with. And we see Jesus at his death. And at his death, now y'all got to remember, when I, when I say that he was clothed in shame, that he was clothed in shame and dishonor on the cross, this is the king of kings up here in a, in a night in a hospital gown, hanging on the cross for the sins of the world. You telling me God the Father did that to his own son? Because he was in not about the clothes. It didn't matter what he had on. Jesus was clothed and shamed in this honor so that we could be clothed in salvation. These men didn't even realize they were gambling with their lives. Because the words that they cast lots, they was rolling dice to see who was going to keep Jesus clothed. Them physical clothes didn't matter. You want Jesus to put them spiritual clothes on you. You worry about the physical clothes. God is worried about the spiritual clothes. They were gambling with their life. If we go through this life worried about things that don't matter, you're gambling with your life. Jesus already told us to be concerned about the things of the kingdom. And then finally, we see in his burial, right? Six days later, Mark 9, 2 and 3. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and led them up to a high mountain, and they were alone. And as they looked on, a change came over Jesus, and his clothes became shining white, whiter than anyone in the world could wash them. Notice how scripture says his clothing changed. Why? Because God is always concerned with the wardrobe change, right? He's concerned about covering. Clothes are symbolic of, just like I told you, with the priestly garments and with the full armor of God, they are symbolic. Clothes are symbolic of covering. If you go outside unclothed, uncovered, you expose yourself to the elements in the physical, to bugs, to sun, to frost. To rain, you expose yourself if you are not covered. And the same thing happens in the spiritual. If you are not covered, you expose yourself to demons, to spirits. So God is always trying to get us to see that we need a wardrobe change. And the clothes that matter most are the clothes that he provides from our birth to our death. And so I'm coming in, JJ. And so the symbolism with this, with Jesus' clothes in the tomb is, right? So the word tells us that all that was left behind was the clothes. The body was gone, but the clothes were left. Why? Why? Because the old clothes were left behind, right? So we leave in this old life, and we get up new. We don't have to take our old clothes with us because we get a new robe. God has been trying to show us it's about a wardrobe change. And so, if you notice what I read, nowhere in scripture does it talk about what Jesus wore on a day-to-day basis. So I told y'all, I start saying, okay, God, what you, how this, what you got, this hard now. Show me what Jesus did. God basically said, 
You ain't care about what you had on when you was a baby. And you ain't going to care about what you have on when you die. So why are you worried about material possessions now? Why are you worried about paying your bills now? Notice the key word in there. Am I saying that you can't have nothing? No. I keep saying why are you worried about it? Why are you worried about it? And we trick our brains into saying that we're not worried about it. Well, if you're not worried about it, why do you spend so much time consumed with it? How much time you spend on Amazon, but then we come in the Bible study and say, I'm trying to do better read my word. I don't never hear nobody say, I'm trying to do better spending time on Amazon. Or I'm trying to do better spending time with my family. Like, come on, y'all. Y'all understand exactly what I'm saying. Why are you worried about it? The New Testament does not provide a detailed description of Jesus' everyday clothing. However, it is likely that he wore typical garments of a Jewish man, which have included a tunic, a belt, sandals, and possibly a head covering or a cloak for travel. He had his own regular clothes. I remember when I was about eight years old, for those who don't know my mom's songs, and we were getting ready to go to a family reunion, and she was going to make me some shorts for the family reunion. And she used to go to Joe Mann's, y'all, and buy the family. And I picked out some stuff. And my sister whispered, she said, Jonathan, don't you wear them shorts. You're going to do retarded. <laughs> and my mom had spent all that time making what I asked her to make for me. And as soon as my sister whispered that in my ear, I didn't want to wear it anymore because I was going to look retarded. But we are taught at a young age, right, that just, like, the stuff matters. I'm going to share this because it's in my, in my sister, and I and she, she took school. But in my, in my preparation of, of preparing this sermon, uh, I thought about her. But she made a comment in passing. And then I... Like, I didn't even think about it at the time because I didn't know I was going here. But she just said to my wife, she was like, yeah, I was at Bible study and I was looking at all the ladies' hair and just how pretty all of their hair is. And then it made me think, man, I need to go, I need to go do something to my head. And my wife was like, no, Sister Chanel, I love your shortcut. But I know none of y'all did that on purpose. But how many people, not, not even talking about Sister Chanel, how many people come into the church house and feel intimidated by the clothing or, ooh, they got a whole bunch of nice stuff. They got this and they got that. And we're not trying to do it on purpose, but that's what we we talking about it all the time. Like, ooh, that's, ooh, you got the ooh. And I leave you with this. The transfiguration. Y'all know what that is? The transfiguration is when Jesus took 
a handful, I want to say three of his disciples on the mountain, and that's when God overshadowed him. And God shone his glory onto Jesus and showed him as the Messiah. And his clothing changed so that they began to try to write then and there. They're like, oh, we in heaven. Let's start worshiping. Let's build tents to, to Moses and Elijah and Jesus. We're going to build three tents and we're going to start worshiping. Right? Because we in this series on worship. Does your presence make people want to worship? Because if you're not clothed in that, you worry about the wrong thing. Does your presence make people want to draw closer to God, drop everything, and learn about who this Jesus is? Because if you're not clothed in that, you're worried about the wrong thing. Put on for God. Are you putting on? Or are you actually clothed? Amen. 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 Amen.